What's cracking, kids? I'm AC Ridenauer, and this is the Nomad Theory. Ever wonder what it would be like to live in New York City for six months? In this episode of the Nomad Theory, I sat down with Dennis Sarkozy and his friend Joshua Key. Two cool characters living in the Big Apple to answer that question. The contents of this interview should help in-the-closet nomads dwelling in suburban bubbles across the country get a from-the-sidewalk picture of the fast-paced city slicker life we only see in the movies. Our meeting happened in a truly New York fashion. A friend of a friend's friend linked me up with Dennis, who invited me to meet Josh at their swanky downtown tech incubator type of place. I was strolling around in the city without any of my recording gear. I was wearing ripped jeans and a sweaty old Grateful Dead shirt when Dennis messaged me asking if I could meet him in one hour. Don't worry about the gear, he said. I reserved us a spot in the podcast recording studio. No wonder Josh likes to say New York is a plus one city. These guys center their lives around social integration, literally creating mantras and habit systems that make it impossible for them to sit at home alone at night. Dennis is a productivity coach and mindfulness consultant working with Best Me to help commercial businesses integrate meditation, healthy mindsets, and yoga into the lives of their employees. I like to think of him as a freelance yogi working for the general equanimity of corporate America. Josh is a self-taught product designer, bootstrapper, and technological guide who works as sort of an entrepreneurial mercenary, so to speak, when companies need an experienced artistic eye to come in and revamp their products. He has lived in New York City for over 10 years, since at one point taking a guilt-free gap year in the true Nomad Theory fashion after graduating high school, and he claims that is one of the top five decisions he's ever made in his whole life. This interview is part one of three-part series I like to call TNT in NYC. So stay tuned for the follow-up episodes where I sat down with Dennis and Josh separately, and we talked about gap years, as well as some genuine hippie hoo-ha from Dennis, the expert on hippie hoo-ha. So as always, thank you for listening to The Nomad Theory. I'm AC. Stay wild, folks. Here we are in New York City, the Big Apple. It's been uh, quite an experience getting here. Got here two days ago. And it's been a whirlwind trip so far, and I'm glad that I'm in this room with you two guys. I have Dennis Sarkozy here today, along with Joshua K. And we're going to talk about people taking a gap year and what it would be like if you had the opportunity to spend some time in New York City. So how long have you guys been living here? Uh, I like to say that I've, this is Josh K talking, I like to say I've been in New York for about 10 years, because now that it's more than 10 years, I don't want to actually start revealing all that sorted information, because people can do the math by going backwards. Uh, 10 years to me is a nice sounding number, I remember when I was aspiring for 5, but to me 10 was like, okay, that sounds like you made it, and at the same time, 
you've seen things, but not unspeakable things. <laughs> I say about 10 years. Hmm. Yeah, Dennis here. I um, just moved a year ago, January, so coming up on two years. I uh, grew up not too far from the city, but split evenly between New York and Philadelphia. So I'm from central Jersey or near Princeton. So about an hour from each. So after having multiple jobs in both cities, having gone to school across both of them, did the commuter life for two to three years in which I was commuting two hours each way. I finally made the jump uh, and committed to moving to Brooklyn. All right. The reason I wanted to have this conversation in the first place is because my mother said, oh, if I could go back into my 20s, I would want to live in New York City for at least a year. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's like, that's, that sounds like a huge commitment. It sounds like I'm going to go there and I'm going to stay and I'm going to get rooted. You have to if you want to make make a living and actually survive in this. If you want to be in the city, especially. So I thought it'd be cool if we could develop sort of a guidebook for people who wanted to make an experiment and live here for three months. Mm-hmm. Get a sublet, experience the city, sure. mm-hmm. absorb some of the culture but not necessarily commit full-time. And I feel like that goes along with the gap year. So uh, I just want to stick with that analogy about getting rooted. So sticking with it, like I, growing up in central New Jersey, I know a little bit about gardening. And to know that if I wanted to try to plant seeds in a community or in a place that has well-established soil, so it's compact, it's already had years of growth, it hasn't had much, or it's been settled in in some way, versus aerating it or tilling it. So like, as soon as you said that, I was thinking New York is in a constant state of aeration and being tilled because it's so open and effuse and there's so many people moving in and out. There is so much um, movement in it. So it's very easy to plant a seed. Like there aren't too many established situations, communities, almost everything is in flux. So in some ways, it's very simple to just jump in and feel rooted immediately because you could find a, a group or community around you that is just going to, like, you could blossom with them. So, Ben, is your... Uh, <laughs> what was that? Did you have something to say? Uh, I, I definitely agree. Like, I think, like, I've always described it as a plus one city. <laughs> that, you know, like, Dennis is like, hey, I'm going to be recording this podcast. Josh, do you want to join me? He's like, Sure. <laughs> I'm in, you know, and it's like whether it's going to birthday parties or house parties or whatnot. Generally, I think it's very socially acceptable to kind of just fold in extra quality people, right? Like I think you, when you bring along a friend, you're saying Josh is not going to say really heinous things during this podcast. Dennis took a real risk in a flyer there, and he trusted me. <laughs> so everything egregious that I say, I wanted to reflect on him. He personally guaranteed that I would be good, and there's no way that I'm going to deliver. Um, no, the, the plus one thing is beautiful, right? And I think it is in a perpetual state of replenishment, right? And there's always, like, fresh blood coming in, and there's always new folks. So it definitely makes for a fun place to just kind of, like, hang out. And I always say you don't know what's going to happen when you leave the house, mm-hmm. right? But you do have to leave the house. <laughs> so you've been here for 10 years. Would you say that yeah. that occurrence is happening more and more? Or has there been any yeah. sort of fluctuation or social I, media? I do. I it? see the rise of these kind of micro-communities, right? And, like, this... 
it almost reminds me of church, right? This idea of like church to me was this experience where go, growing up, you'd be there in this environment and there were people that you were stuck with, whether you liked them or not. Right. And I, I think these New York communities are kind of like that. It's like, Oh, you're here. You know? And like that feeling is a complicated one, but it is actually a good one. Right. It's like saying like, look, we're all in the mix together, whether you consider somebody friends or whether they're similar to you or whether they're so different from you, or whether they embody everything that you disagree with you're still in this mix with them and it's fun and kind of magical to just be walking down the street and bump into somebody that you recognize. And, you know, there's a kind of compound interest that happens. And all of a sudden after being here for that long, like I usually, I will bump into somebody every single day. Right. And like in part, you're hanging out at the right neighborhoods and everything else, but you just kind of get used to that freewheeling, like fortuitous pachinko lifestyle. I've never heard it said as such, but yeah, it's, um, what does pachinko mean? Pachinko is a Japanese gambling game. It's kind of like pinball where they drop a ball and it kind of bounces um, down all these pins. It's an odd metaphor. I've never said that before either. I dig. No, but it, like in that way, I think parting, part of moving to the city was to say uh, yes, just to see what else was out there. And it's... I've, uh, I've said to people in New York where they're like, you know, I've developed my routines. I feel like I don't have that many friends. It's totally like plausible that if someone within that year decided to move to New York and was like, I want to experience New York and found the right apartment and was very comfortable in it and still indulged all of the same old hobbies. So say like they wanted to read and they wanted to like continue living their, the life that they've established or the things they already know that bring them joy. Rather than being like, this is a completely new environment with right. part of what is beautiful of New York is that there's so much exposure to new environments. So it's, I, I've often even said, like, one of the jokes I've made is like, what I learned from reading no books in 2017. I was hmm. like, well, I'm in New York. I want to, uh, to continue with the analogy, bloom where I'm planted. And New York has so much to offer, so many resources and people and expertise and experiences. Why would I commit any amount of time to reading by myself? Really? Oh, so you right. said no books. You didn't read a book for an entire year. So, yeah. I read very selectively. Wow. Yeah. He hung out with me instead. I read the books and then I told Dennis about them. But, Division of Labor. Yeah. But Most it's like people are works. trying to stop using their cell phone and you're like, I'm going to take it another step forward. I'm going to yeah. stop you stop reading books. Yeah, but that book sounds like it would be a good filter to put yourself through for a period sure. of time mm-hmm. but you could you could say books you could say netflix you can say you know video games whatever it is but i think like there's that feeling of like you're never going to get this new york thursday night back like thursday night is one of my favorite nights of the week yes so if i'm gonna stay in i better have a really good reason to stay in right and because again like you go to the right party it can change your life so how many parties a week is the right amount how much do you want your life to be changed So your life changes when you go to parties? Good things happen when people meet people, right? And people meet people at parties. Parties are basically a giant friend-of-friend endorsement system. Mm -hmm. Like, you brought this person because you said they're a good, shiny, interesting character. So The longer you've been in New York, have you felt like when you get to that party, you are more confident because you're someone who's been here and you have more experience in this city? Um, So... I'm, I'm, I would use that term party, so this is actually just me yeah. speaking. That, that could mean anything from a four-person or five-person dinner party, intimate yes. party, to house or loft party or, like, come with me to this dance party that's at a event and we're going to, like, hang out and eat a salad afterward and we're going mm. to, like, walk through Washington Square Park with a group of six of us, you know. That it's a 
this party mentality is to say that with this plus one, it's like, I'm going to trust you, AC. It's like, bring a stranger. Bring someone you just met that you're curious about. Bring someone new. And even if it is an intimate group, it becomes the trusted invites that get sent out. And we're excited to meet a friend of a friend. Yes. And more often than not, like, even if it is a loft party, there's always people that we don't know. Like, uh, we host a brunch at our house a few times a month. And one of the things we put on the invite is bringing it a, an interesting stranger or mm. someone that you're excited to get to know a bit better. And through this, odds are like we're then 30 or 40% of the room. And sometimes it's like 30 to 50 people end up coming through, which is always a problem. Um, but since there's like 30% new people, there's always the assumptions like, I don't know you, but let's get to know you. So it's not like uh, you're just entering this like closed click. There's always the expectation there is someone new to know and they're already trusted because they're in this space and they're invited to this party so that's one definition of the term party yeah <laughs> yeah like any any place that you collide mm -hmm. right it could be like a ted talk it could be you know the, the space that we're recording this is uh it's called betaworks studios mm -hmm. and it's a place where a bunch of people working in tech who have probably too much freedom on their hands can kind of go and take meetings and collab with others. So it's not exactly a co-working space, but you just do bump into people at the happy hours here. Is it a party? Not exactly, but it's a place that people go and expressly to collide with other people, right? Like if I just wanted to talk to Dennis, we could go, you know, to a coffee shop or something like that. Here is a little bit more plus one. Does it feel like you can walk up to somebody sitting at a desk perhaps or just walking through and passing them in the hall and say, hi, do you want to sit down and have a conversation? Yeah, yeah. So there's definitely places that you can do that. I mean, you can do that anywhere in New York. You can do that in a coffee shop. Like I met this amazing charismatic friend, Matt. I was on a date and he literally approached me. He's like, hey, I heard you guys talking about movies and I am a film director and I'm making a film. Do you want to be in it? <laughs> Which is a great opening line. <laughs> yeah. He's an interesting character. Uh, he's very good at meeting strangers. But it's really fascinating to see that. And it's like, there's nothing stopping you from doing that, right? It's a very unique value prop. Like, the world where somebody says no, that's okay. But, like, you're going to correlate for, like, very open, very curious people, which New York already optimizes for, like, from the get-go. Right? Like, I think about the people who choose to move to New York, and I think they're the quintessential... Like outsiders and people who are at the margins, right? There are people who are kind of optimistic and they're believed that there's a better place somewhere else, far away in a dangerous, expensive city. <laughs> that that's where they belong, mm -hmm. you know. And like that, so there's a certain form of madness, like for everyone who's chosen to move here. And there's a different kind of madness for those who were born here because it means their parents are crazy. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Generational but, yeah, skip. It, it's a very intense place. Like I, I've often thought of, you know, like Manhattan is an island and it's kind of the island of misfit toys, right? Like the people here who were just killing it in high school and had a great life, like they were very happy to stay where they were from. Whereas like the kid in high school who was kind of like sitting by the edge being like, these are not my people. Those are the people who ultimately wind up pulling up their roots and migrating somewhere else. Mm. I often made the comparison to say like New York is constantly like shaking the carpet and people have to struggle to hang on because mm -hmm. otherwise like everyone will just get dispersed and land where it's more convenient mm -hmm. and there's a better cost of living and mm -hmm. it's cheaper and there's easier ways to connect and there's more sun and more temperate weather. There's a number of cities where we're already sort of going like, where do we go from here? Like, where do we leave New York to ultimately go? 
because ultimately, like, I've made the commitment to myself that as soon as New York ceases to be magical, which knock wood, it's not going to be for a while, but I will gladly move out, knowing that is then hit its fill. You'll become a farmer? <laughs> you think you're a type, farmer type? Uh, I, you know, I'm looking at Portland and Austin and Vancouver and Montreal mm. and Toronto and, like, second cities that are beautiful cities nonetheless, but, you know, we're not living in a shoebox and we're not subjected to MTA and all of the subway delays, which are perpetually delayed since they were invented. Um, that New York, it takes a certain type of personality to endure it. And in doing so, creates a certain camaraderie. Um, I joke around that it's all of us against the city. <laughs> so yeah. that there becomes this unspoken bond. So it doesn't become strange when someone's like, hey, human, I heard you talking about this thing. Can we connect in an authentic human way, which feels personal and intimate and is a thing that we are all craving because we have this common enemy, which is the profound, isolating, aggressive city. What, what what percentage of people do you think share that same vision of New York, or do you think there's more of a pessimistic attitude that also exists? Well, how many share that same opinion to say that it's us against the city? I, I don't know that I've really verbalized it until now. Yeah. I think I've said it maybe two or three times. Um, you know, pessimism exists everywhere. Um, and I, I often will even say that that's contextual, that someone isn't a pessimist, that it just shows up in certain aspects of their life, like certain aspects where they tend to feel a bit powerless or feel like they don't have agency or there's potentially an external locus of control that is guiding their success or non-success. Um, in New York, though, I do, and maybe this is just my personal filter, because I'm, I approach each person as like, hey, future friend, <laughs> like, we probably want to be friends. We probably have a lot in common that I then am more likely to trust someone from the start and more likely to go out of my way to share expertise, share the things that I care about, invite them to things. Because again, it's like I, uh, I think that uh, the loneliness epidemic is very real. I will say it's exacerbated in places like the suburbs where I grew up, um, even more so in probably rural areas. Um, but what was missing from central New Jersey was a feeling of community. So I didn't really know my neighbors and lived in the beautiful suburban American dream. And then even into my 20s when I was working, thought that, that was it. You know, I get a townhouse and have a car and have a backyard and sit by myself most days, you know, with my uh, with my girlfriend at the time who we were one another's company. And I was like, maybe this is adulting is getting to see my friends once a month. And going to the gym and having people at my yoga studio and CrossFit that I got to see like a few times a week for the workout and then went home and sat by myself and watched Netflix and listened to my podcasts on double speed and read all of the productivity books, you know, that came to market and thought like, why do I still feel disconnected? How did you make the decision to eventually come here? Um, it was part of, uh, I'd started committing more and more time to New York. And let's say, like, I had a few friends and would often, like, anchor a day in New York uh, around an event in the evening mm -hmm. and found over the course of a few weeks started to have more people that I called friends, more people who were already messaging me, inviting me to other things, and who, like, I felt like I could show up to, uh, uninhibited, be vulnerable with, you know, like, I felt like I had an authentic connection to more people over the course of about three weeks having gone to a few events and followed up with them and had lunches with them 
than I think I've had in my entire adult life. So I saw that New Yorkers particularly like don't go home to their shoebox apartments at the end of the night. Like they're all looking for a place to go after work. And everyone has a lunch break that they want to take with someone. They want to kind of Uh, push the limits and pop their bubbles on a daily basis. I would definitely say that you and I are in this club. (laughs) And I think we have a lot of peers who are in this club. I don't know if I would go as far as to say this universally, Mm -hmm. because I know many New Yorkers who are not cut from this cloth. But if you, dear listener, are, then you will find your people here. Mm And at the same time, if you are a little more introverted, it is also entirely possible to function in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you can also find your introverts and do introverty things with them. Mm-hmm. In part, you know, in a city, this is one of my favorite little idioms that basically says, like, even if you're one in a million in a city of eight million people, there's eight of you running around, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah, they, like there's, there's a lot of different types here. And at the same time, there are certain motifs and tropes that emerge. So you can definitely find that. Um, it's a great place. I recommend it. Uh, you you alluded to the idea of moving here for three months, which when I moved here, I was offered a really good job opportunity right out of college. And I said, sure, I'm going to do that. It was kind of a no-brainer. I had never actually had a master plan to move to New York until that appeared to me. I didn't know anybody outside that job, really. I knew nobody in my age group. So it was building not just a social life, but building the habits around a social life brick by brick. And that definitely put me at a certain disadvantage. Uh, I think for somebody, so oftentimes I say that for the first six months, you're just trying to figure out which direction is north, right? And like there is just a lot of learning the ropes and getting the hang of it. And people say, oh, New York is so expensive. It doesn't have to be. You can live here incredibly cheaply. You never have to buy a drop of alcohol. There's mm-hmm. And there's a cap in every house that alcohol comes out of for all intents and purposes. It's a city of people, not alcoholics, but definitely there's a lot of drinking which goes on here. Um, so the very idea also of moving here under the age of 21, like I've always said, I feel bad for people who go to New York for undergrad, right? Because you have, it's expensive. You're not necessarily earning money. So I think it's a great place to move after you go to school, maybe for that gap year as well. Mm-hmm. It could be a great opportunity. And, you know, I know there are many people who do it then go to university here and sort that out, but it is also kind of an adult city and there's a lot of money that gets thrown around and it would be hard, I think, to just move here as an 18 year old, like I did take a gap year and I think I would have been a bit out of my depth. I'm sure I would have figured something out, but my theory for how to move here to end this little soliloquy is it's kind of like rock climbing. You want to have one really solid thing that you can hold on to and you know, this is your fixed point. So for me, that's either you would know that you have a good job in the city and then you can pick your apartment around that. You have a good relationship in the city you have a good, uh, somebody presents you with an apartment and they say, oh, hey, I'm going to be traveling for the summer. Do you want to sublet my room for three months? That's a great way because otherwise you're just like, what neighborhood do I live in? Who do I hang out with? Where does the money come from? That's so many uncertainties in life that it would probably be rather overwhelming. So if you're going to move here, go on Facebook, do a search for friends who live in New York City, friends of friends who live in New York City, whatever you have to do. Try to find some constant, something that is known as opposed to just showing up one day, you know, in Times Square, blinking. It's kind of like what I did two days ago. <laughs> Slightly different circumstances. I would also add, um, just because I, I've i recently discovered the things that I wish I had when I was younger, which is a few, like a certain few communities and the profound um, ability to make very specific social asks. So I'm part of like a travel club called Map and Move, and it's, you know, some six to eight hundred people on Facebook. Actually, I haven't even checked the recent number. And 
multiple times a day, people are like traveling to this city. Who's there? What recommendations do you have? Who should I meet? It's only 600 people. It's smallish, but then there's other groups like Next Gen Summit, which is even larger. Uh, Personal Development Nerds, which is one of the the groups that I produce. That one's something like 15 or 1600. Was that on the joy list? And if you're familiar with the joy list. I think that was on my birthday. I was going to go, but I decided to hang out with my friends instead. But it looked really cool. What what happens at one of those places? This is kind of like what we're talking about as far as the community. Um, the, each of those communities, and I'll actually just get to Joylist in a second. It's, uh, these communities are just that, like, as soon as you become a member of it and it's a public, like it's a closed Facebook group, but it doesn't take any sort of initiation. All of these are without membership fees, but explicitly, these are people who are looking to just help and be of service to one another. So every one of them, I see posts daily that are like, again, who should I meet here? Like, who's in New York? Who wants to, like, grab lunch? I'm visiting for two days, three days. Does anyone have a sublet available? Like, and immediately, people just jump into community. Like, I know with personal development nerds, um, we have someone who was just visiting from London who came to our event last night, and I met him the night before, and he's like, you know, I'm only on the ground here in New York for a week. What should I do? And that's, like, the most profound question. Because everyone's going to have a different answer. And... I think that he jokingly was like, well, I asked the right people because he asked me and, and um, like two of my friends and all of us were like, just come with us. Like, come with us to everything that we're doing. Like, you are our guest now. Like, we're friends now. And suggested experiences more so than attractions. I was like, you guys have museums in London. You have restaurants in London. Forget all of that. Like, go to this place because these people are going to make you feel more welcomed and a more authentic New York experience. And hopefully like accelerate or catalyze or just create this feeling of community and home of belong that you could you could achieve even within that first week on the ground the joy list uh is a project by uh jillian richardson so she's my housemate one of my closest friends so we actually live together um so i met her because i started following the joy list and then we had enough synchronized events together because like there's uh, as Josh was mentioning, there's many people that end up in the same orbits and in the same room together because we are people who just go to events and say yes and are particularly going to these pro-social events. And the Joy List is a curated newsletter of pro-social events that are looking to, uh, well, first, make New Yorkers less lonely. But second to that is to say, like, these are events in which you could show up solo and leave with a new friend. So it is all people who are newly transplanted or through transition or just excited to like meet other human beings in a in a closed safe space it makes um, it seem possible to move here <laughs> and she even just started like that's impossible she started offering a service recently which is i think it's like 50 dollars for a half hour phone call with you mm-hmm. in which you will tease out your experience like the things that you like and don't like the types of things that you want to try out and she will make a personalized calendar for you <laughs> wow that's really cool that's that's one unique service um we were talking about living heuristically earlier and <laughs> coming up with sort of guiding principles that help you make decisions and you also mentioned joshua habits structured around your social engagement mm-hmm. something like that and i was wondering what three what th- two or three uh, decisions or principles you can use to engage with community hmm. 
in a more enriching way. Mm, sure. I've got a lot of uh, different theories here. So like, one of the first ones is actually this larger framework that friends are a habit. The people that you spend time with, you develop these patterns, and you say, oh, when I go to this happy hour, I always invite these group of people. Right? And like saying, you can mix that up, and you can say, okay, if my life is getting a little too predictable, you can find different habits. Maybe you shouldn't go to that happy hour. Maybe you should go to something else. So to me, you know, being here for so long, you can... I've had that feeling of like, oh, I've been to this party before. You haven't been to this party, but you've been to something that's shaped just like this party. Or you've been to this restaurant, even though it's not this one. So to me, keeping it fresh and coming up with some framework. So one of the things that we were talking about is I say, look, when I'm hanging out with new friends, I go to a restaurant that I know and I trust. When I'm hanging out with an old friend, somebody I've known for 10 years, whatever else that I went to college with, you say, let's go to new restaurants. Let's consistently come up with this framework. And it simplifies that decision-making process of do you want Thai food or Mexican food or this or that. And then all of a sudden you're choosing from this menu of infinite places to eat. Like one of the things that I realized is that you could eat in a different New York restaurant every day for the rest of your life. And the reason why is not even that there are that many New York restaurants. There are an awful lot of them. There's thousands and thousands and thousands. But more than 365 new restaurants open every year. So you could just eat in mathematically. Yes, yeah, so you could abs. You could eat in new restaurants, and by new restaurants, not just new to you, but restaurants that haven't existed for a year, every day for the rest of your life. So there's endless possibility for novelty if that's your scene. And at the same time, when you find something good, double down on it. Right. So it's this mixture of a pattern that scientists call explore versus exploit. When you find a restaurant that's really good, double down on it. When you meet somebody who's really cool, double down on that. Figure out how to actually friend them. Right. And I think. Men have kind of curious friendship patterns, right? And if I was like, oh, Dennis, we need to hang out one-on-one. When are we hanging out one-on-one? It's because he's going to think I'm like trying to date him or something. And it's like, no, you just say like, oh, I'm going to this awesome event. You should come to it. Right? And like men kind of slide into friendship and be like, oh, cool, let's go to that event. And then the event turns out to be terrible, which happens a lot. And then you just wind up hanging out and getting a drink or just walk around the city with them. And then slowly the friendship builds from that. But I think figuring out how to be explicit in your communication that you're interested in somebody and then at the same time roll with it and have an interesting enough life that they want to hop on board with your life. So lots of different frameworks for that. Is that a dynamic or a question that you ask yourself? Am I interesting enough for people to want to jump into my life? Uh, I think you think about the classic, you know, like boy meets girl say, Hey, we should get a drink sometime. Like that's like the world's kind of worst date. Right. And it's just so vague. And it's like, we should mate sometime. It's like, Hey, I'm going to this gallery opening on Thursday night. You should come one. You're going to get free alcohol Two, you're going to get to look at terrible art. Three, you're going to get to bump into interesting characters Four, you're going to give that person experience they've never had before. Right. And, you know, the world where she's not into art or drinking or fun or novelty, you know, I can just invite somebody else to come to that gallery opening with me. It's like not being too attached to that. And at the same time, it's like this having enough opportunities in your life. In that way, too, I, um, I've often said that I, I try to cre- create a lot of standing events. So almost everywhere I go has an open invitation for almost everyone else to go. So there's certain things that I will only invite specific people which is often the case too. So it's like, it almost is these scaling levels of intimacy. So every week I'm going to different events and probably like the least intimate is come dance with me every other Thursday at the get down, which is amazing positive dance party. Or uh, join me my once monthly for personal development nerds, like main event, which is kind of like a Ted talk with unconference style meetup. Um, It could be that. 
that could be a bit more intimate is like, join me at my house for brunch. Like we host these brunches every other week. Or why don't you like hang out for a dinner with a few guests that we're having over. Or formerly I was hosting a weekly meditation where literally any stranger I was curious about was like, hey, join me at this weekly meditation that we host. And it's very low stakes. It's like, bring a friend, show up if you want. I'm going to be there otherwise. And what I've often just tried to do is like pick activities where I know that I'm going to be anyway. And it creates an open invitation to someone that I meet for the first time that I'm like, hey, and I could say in so many words, and usually exactly these words, I really want to spend more time with you. I want to get to know you more. Here's where I'm going to be for the next week. Do any of these seem interesting to you? Mm-hmm. Like, what? where would you like to join? And if the person's committing to something, and I really do want to get to know the person, be like, want to grab tea ahead of time, want to walk with me to the event, right. want to grab a salad ahead of time at Sweet Green or something like that. Right. And then it provides a little bit of like an hour to get to know one another and then we move into the event together and if the event sucks again we end up walking around Washington right. Square Park at right. night. One corollary to that though is I think it can actually be a crutch this desire to go to all events with a wingman. So similarly if, if the event is terrible yes you can just hang out with your pal. If the event is amazing they make sure that you're actually getting the value out of the event right? and like push your friend into the pool and make them go meet some strangers or walk away from them while they're talking to a stranger and go make your own friends regroup after the event. Because like sometimes you'll be the, you'll bring a friend to a thing and he's hungry and they want to pull you away and like no, dinner can be time shifted like the books, <laughs> we can do that later, so the event is only here now. Let's be timely. Let's not want, be late. Do you want to be somebody who bursts people's bubbles? Like, does a that little, ever yes. become an attention? A little, yes. Do you like having your own bubbles bursted, and does that happen often? After I feel like you get to a certain point where the shock of moving to New York wears off and you're not every day getting your bubble bursted. I've gotten my bubble bursted several times in the last couple of days. And I I enjoy that. I seek that out in most cases. But I also don't want to have it be so drastic that it puts me into a depressive state. So is there a way you can balance that? What do you mean by having your bubble burst? That's a great question. I've had this dilemma for the past, pretty much the last seven years. Because I... I feel like I went down and traveled in South America for 11 months as a backpacker. That's where this nomad theory idea came from in the first place. And before that, I had been in the suburbs. I had a construction business. I had wore my khaki pants every day, and I had my crew cut and polo shirt. Then I go down to South America, and within five days, I had my bubble burst, and I said, I need this to happen to me. I want this to happen to me so I can grow and I ended up staying for 11 months. But, so that's what I search for. And do you guys look for that within yourself? And do you guys go searching for it? Or does it just happen on its own? I think, you know, it kind of touches on that concept of the habits. But you can hang out with people who are going to be comfortable and familiar. And you can go to restaurants that are going to be comfortable and familiar. And the goal to me, I think it keeps you young to keep challenging yourself and to try things and like... I've never had this food before. It might take, taste terrible, but it might be amazing, and there's only one way to find out. And I think you can decide to stay young by continuing to try new things. Right? Like when you think about a newborn baby, everything is new. It's never seen the moon before. Right? It's never walked across the room, never mind walked a mile, never mind ran a marathon. Right? So the idea of constantly staying fresh, like young people do it all the time, but as we get older, we just double down and we start to just close ourselves off to those things. So I'm a big fan of challenging oneself, but 
it's not for everyone. When I hear the bubble bursting, thing, like getting pushed out of my comfort zone, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And I've, uh, I was thinking fairly recently and, and sharing with a friend is to say that like, at the end of my life, I don't want to look back and go like, here, here lies Dennis. You know, it, this is actually if I'm looking at my own grave, I suppose. Um, thinking he spent his life successfully pursuing comfort. Right. <laughs> comfort will happen like, to you anyway. What do you want right? people like, to say at your funeral? Like, we want to say yeah. this guy stayed in his hometown his whole life. I mean, in that way, I was like, I don't see comfort as a thing that I move toward. Right. And conversely, like I've often thought, one of the descriptions of a gentleman is a demonstrative comfort in all situations. But someone who is looking to for myself is to expand my levels of comfort zone. So right. I don't actively seek discomfort, but I don't shy away from it. So saying yes and you know, having gone through periods of like where literally I'll clear my calendar and will say yes to the first thing. Like that's just a challenge. And say like whoever gets to me first on these few nights is gonna get a yes. And I've surrounded myself with friends that really represent such disparate areas of life and world and expertise and thinking namely because like it is so foreign to me and the way that they think and their mental models and their values I would have said clashed until I got to understand better and was able to reflect on my own values and the things that I was dogmatic about and question my own assumptions about is this a thing that I designed for myself or was this just part of what I would call my comfort zone or within my bubble was this a bubble that formed that by as soon as I realized that someone, something, some idea existed outside of it, I now have a bigger bubble. <laughs> okay. I guess uh, maybe to finish this off and give you guys a quick challenge to answer the most profound question you had, what would you do for a week if you were here? If I was visiting New York City for a week. What would I suggest that somebody do here? Yeah. So I think of New York as an all-you-can-eat buffet, right? Metaphorically, like it's not just food, although the food is pretty good. Uh, so to me, there are many different tribes in New York, and it's very easy when you found your one. Whether you're visiting from San Francisco and it's a bunch of tech people, you can totally live the tech people, New York. You can totally live the theater person, New York. So the goal for me is to you know, try living in all these different things. You can crash parties. You can walk into gallery openings that you see happening on the street with conviction, and they'll just let you in. You can do whatever you want. To me, the goal is you know, to try those different things and, frankly, to figure out how to give yourself more than a week because you know, like, you'll just be a tourist for a week, and there's a lot more to be had here. So you know, figure out how to kind of annex your little corner of the city and see what happens. Within a week. I'm going to try to work within that constraint. Um, I think much the same as, as you were sharing, Josh, too, is to say uh, finding like inroads into each of these tribes and find what feels like belonging, what feels like home. And hopefully that in that time you could show up with, uh, call it like enough confidence or enough self-confidence, and knowing that almost everyone here is a transplant. So the question isn't, like, where are you from? But usually, like, it's an easy question to ask is, how long have you been in New York? To just about anyone. Because, like, there's six people who were born and raised in New York. Like, you can count on, like, two hands. The people who are in New York who were born and raised. It's, it's a real rarity when you come up upon someone. 
That's an overstatement. But uh, the easiest question is, how long have you been in New York? And I've been here for two years, which makes me now two years longer than most people. But the, fir- the people who just arrived are now as much New Yorkers as I am, as much as Josh is. Like, as soon as you're here, you're a New Yorker. Take that. <laughs> so walk into every gallery with confidence that you have just as much right to be there. And walk into every party as though you had an invitation or were on the guest list even. Because everyone has something to add. And everyone has expertise and unique experience that is interesting to everyone else here too. And New York is a city filled with people who are seeking often that, like that diverse experience. So know that they'll very likely welcome you with open arms if you come in going like, hey, future friend. (laughs) Um, The things I would do, I would definitely go dance at it, like find a cool dance party, whether it's like a morning one like Daybreaker or Five Rhythms or an evening one like The Get Down, which is just like these kind of like a dance party unlike any other and most of them are sober too so like I've taken the route where it's like I've gone for a long time without drinking in New York City and found that the number of people that are excited to be like you don't drink oh I don't drink who wants to hang out at a bar let's just go do something else like go for a walk or something uh explore the city on foot uh if you have a death wish or you are comfortable on a bike then by all means <laughs> bike around the city definitely bike around the city it- you're not going to die. Below 14th Street, you'll be fine. Like, if you're a runner, bring your running shoes. Explore yeah. the city on foot. Um, take subways. Run, run here, I got the run here, I got a nice little exercise. Yep. Sweat on. Yeah. <laughs> um, and really, like, wherever you go, ask someone for a recommendation. Like, if you go into New York with a plan, you'll probably just end up going to a lot of the same spaces that everyone else in New York is waiting in line to see rather than asking at the local coffee shop, hey, like, where do you go to eat lunch? Or what are some places? What do you think that I should see? And as soon as you meet someone that you seem to jive with, say, what events are on your calendar this week? And it often becomes an easy invite to to learn more about what I didn't know that I didn't know. If you could carry one thing with you, for me, I think, remember that Thursday night is the night for New York parties. Well, this has been our absolute pleasure to have both of you guys here. Thank you so much for the opportunity of including me in this beta workspace. Really awesome. I wish they existed in the suburbs of Pittsburgh. <laughs> we'll move into that, I think, in the next couple of years. It's real up-and-coming town. But, yeah, thank you guys very much. I enjoyed this thoroughly. Thank but, you. Yeah, our pleasure. Stay well, folks. was our three-way trifecta in nyc i hope you enjoyed it got some information about traveling to new york city potentially if you were ever hoping to live there as i feel like i may at one point my my feelings are mixed after having experienced the city by myself even though i was living with a couple friends while i was there i just felt a little bit small in a big city so just keep that in mind the fact that you're gonna feel that way for a period once you get there It's going to be a slap in the face, especially if you come from some sort of suburban environment or rural for that matter. But I have to thank both of my guests, Dennis and Josh, for coming out and being willing to sit down with me and talk about traveling and stuff like that. Thank you very much to everyone for listening, obviously, as well, and Juanitos for their awesome song, Cool Reggae Party. 
you want to get in touch with me or if you want to get more information about Dennis or Josh, you can check out thenomadtheory.simplecast.com and you'll have the show notes on there and some quotes about the show. You can listen to all the other episodes of The Nomad Theory. Otherwise, check us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play. All right, that sounds like enough talking. Thank you very much. I'm AC. Stay wild.